0: Welcome to this Medicine podcast. Um, I'm Zoe Fleet, the Royal College of Physicians uh, Curriculum and Credentials Manager. Um, I'm here today with Anastasia Madanidou, who is the Rheumatology SAC trainee representative. Um, Could you just tell us a little bit more about yourself, please, Anastasia?
1: Yeah, thank you, Zoe, for the invitation and having me today. Uh, I'm uh, Anastasia, I'm a Rheumatology and General Medicine Registrar. As you said, I'm also the SAC um, trainee representative. This means that I got involved uh, in the SAC webinar about the new uh, rheumatology and general medicine curriculum. And as part of this, I made a presentation about the gap analysis. And therefore I'm here today to discuss about the transition period and the gap analysis.
0: In terms of the gap analysis, the the reason you needed to do this was because you had to move to the the new curricula that have just been launched by um, the Joint Royal College Physicians Training Board. Can you tell us a little bit about why you had to transfer to to the new curriculum?
1: Yes, uh, that's right. So um, last year I was SD5 Rheumatology and General Medicine. So this means I had to transfer from the old to the new curriculum. This is a GMC requirement all the trainees should be trained according to the new requirements according to the new curriculum Uh, and only doctors in the final year of the training are not required to transfer to the new curriculum
0: okay and what what actually is involved then in transferring to the new curriculum what does it mean
1: yeah um initially what we should do is to find the gaps between the new Uh, the old and the new curriculum, because there are differences, there are um, some different requirements and this may sound daunting um, and that's why we need to do this gap analysis, this is what actually gap analysis means, finding the gaps. And we need to capture all these things in a form, uh, the gap analysis form, and um, we complete this gap analysis form along with our educational supervisor and and we're advised from the training board to arrange a meeting a gap analysis meeting where we route down the differences and this will help organize uh, our training uh, through the year
0: um and how did you feel about doing the gap analysis
1: uh yeah good question so um you know Transitioning, just to start, transitioning from the old to the new curriculum was a bit daunting, you know, because even capturing all the evidence for one curriculum is a lot of work. Now, trying to find the differences and trying, you know, to meet the new expectations, it's more hard work. So I wasn't really happy about the transfer or about completing the form, to be honest with you. Uh, but I think it's a very crucial um, form to be completed because this actually, this is the way to feel comfortable with the new curriculum because you actually, you you need to go through the requirements of the new curriculum and understand uh, what you need to do and plan your remaining training years with the help with your educational supervisor. Just to to summarise, you know, completing this form, in a way, it's a daunting experience, but it's very helpful because at the end of the day, we all want to become consultants. So we need to meet the expectations and this is the only uh, way to do so.
0: And how did you prepare for that meeting then? Presumably, you needed to find out what's in the new curricula to be able to do this and, and your supervisor as well. Yes,
1: exactly. So uh, what I did, so uh, I used the CAP analysis form. So the CAP analysis form is a very well-structured form. I don't know if you were involved in this form, Zoe. Uh, So it actually tells you the differences and what you need really need to do. So for example, there was one question about that patient clinic. So now all the trainees, all the group one specialty trainees, not only the rheumatology ones, we have to do 20 outpatient clinics outside our main specialty. So I have never done any clinics outside rheumatology. So uh, I found this gap and then, you know, I spoke to my education supervisor what we need to do because it's it's something new. So we didn't have to do this before. So it's all about planning. It's all about you know, working together.
0: I think that's really good advice because I, I do understand that from you know the development of the curricula and looking at the gap analysis that, that is a that is something that does um make trainees quite anxious this the 20 clinics and how much time they've got left in their training programme. I think it's probably worth pointing out that it is it can be pro rata so if someone is getting towards the end of their training perhaps only has a couple of years left that with discussion with the educational supervisor it could be less than 20 clinics. It's about getting that experience. And I think there's good guidance in the curriculum and in the form, as you say, about what are the educational objectives of those clinics. It's it's not just number counting.
1: As I said before, it's important to plan. So the, group, the gap analysis meeting should take place at the beginning of the training. So today, for example, it's 12th of September. So I would expect all the trainees um, to have arranged the gap analysis meeting Because if you need to plan some extra clinics, some, you know, respiratory or gastroenterology or any other clinics outside your main specialty, this needs some time, all these clinics to set up because it has to do also with how NHS works. It's about the six week notice, you know, uh, cancelling clinics, finding room. uh, And also just to point out these clinics, are important for our training. It's not about service provision. So I would expect a consultant to be present in order for us to get trained. So all these things need planning. So, you know, we need time for this.
0: I think that's really, really good advice. And, and the two points really, isn't it, is that setting up that meeting, because it might take a little while to, to get time with your educational supervisor, they may not be in the same trust as you, um, and then to plan ahead. To put in these educational uh, these sort of learning um opportunities throughout the rest of the program, and I think that's the the really strong point about the gap analysis, isn't it that it helps to tailor your program, tailor what you do over the next year, two years, three years to to make sure those opportunities are picked up. Other than outpatients, then, what are the other sort of internal medicine capabilities that you would focus on?
1: Um, I about general, yeah. Um, I think this is this was the main difference between the old and the new curriculum in terms of general medicine. Uh, There are some other differences in the rheumatology curriculum, but I don't think we should focus on this today.
0: So would you say that what you've already been what you'd already been doing in in general internal medicine was helpful? You know, it's still counted in that experience. Of course,
1: of course, yeah, of course it counts. And the other thing I'd like to point out is that we don't need to relink the evidence because this is, this was one of my initial concerns. So uh, because I had uh, collected a lot of evidence in my portfolio, so I thought, why do I need to transfer to the new curriculum relinking all the evidence? Because it's it's very time-consuming. Uh, so we don't need to relink the evidence. That's to show to our educational supervisor during the meeting, the evidence is here, I'm competent to do this.
0: Um, Just about the other, I think i was saying about the other capabilities in internal medicine that, as you say, I think it's important that the outpatients is a new requirement, that is something that's going to be new to people, but that for trainees who've been working in general internal medicine, doing the acute take, managing inpatients, that experience is all valid and you will have evidence in your portfolio that you've already achieved. A level of capability. Um, so, in terms of sort of looking at the gap, there might not be that much of a gap, or the the trajectory of training that, that you already had in place would be would mean that you can meet the uh, the capabilities in the new curriculum.
1: Yes, I think so. If you're someone like me that did two years of internal medicine, so this means that you should have done a lot of A so there should be a lot of evidence, because otherwise you can't really pass the RCP um, panels.
0: Absolutely. So when you did your gap analysis, did you need to have any additional time added onto your programme to meet the new curriculum requirements?
1: Not really, but this is different for each trainee, because I know that some trainees got involved a lot Uh, COVID-19 and they were redeployed so every trainee is different and as you said before we need to tailor the training years according to each trainee Uh, so I I expect also additional time may be required for a few trainees and that's why we need this meeting because it's a meeting between one specific education supervisor and, and one trainee it's not the deanery that decides about the training years and about the the requirements for its training.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. And I, and I guess um, it's another thing that's worth noting. Then is if if between the trainee and the supervisor, they decide that yes, additional training time is going to be needed either to meet the internal medicine capabilities or the the specialty capabilities for that curricula. Um, that then it would be an ongoing, you know, sort of flagging that to the training program director and to the deanery and. It would be at the arcp process that change to the cct um, would be agreed just to just to make that point um so what did you find um was what would be your sort of top tips for how to make the the whole thing run as smoothly as possible
1: yeah so uh yeah so my top tip uh, would be to work with your educational supervisor because we can bring different knowledge on the table. So our educational supervisors are experienced. They have supervised trainees before. They also know the training opportunities that their hospital can offer. So uh, from the training point of view, uh, as trainees, we know what we have done uh, the previous training years. Uh, we know which evidence is in our portfolio. So together, uh, we can plan uh, the training here ahead and make sure we get the training. But in a way, we also tick the boxes.
0: um and well, what about sort of resources or help if somebody's struggling with this or their supervisor isn't being supportive as they'd like them to be? I
1: think this is very rare to be completely honest with you. Education supervisors are are usually consultants. they they like supervising trainees and they like helping junior colleagues so but sometimes circumstances are not ideal in this case I would suggest a trainee to speak to their training program director Uh, in rheumatology I think in all specialties there are also regional trainees representatives I would also reach out the regional trainee representatives Um, and I don't know uh, Zoe, if there is anything here you would like to add,
0: yeah, I think it, it, it'd be good to point out on the Joint Culture Physicians Training Board uh, website there are quite a lot of resources on there. So each specialty has its own page where you could find the curriculum, the new curriculum, the ARCP decision aids. Um, there's things called the rough guides, which is a try and a sort of operational guide to the new curriculum, and it does include a bit of guidance on on transition, which might be specific um, to that specialty um, and then in the uh, transition there is a, a transition page it's a link from the front pages the jrcptb website um, to more detailed guidance on transition because there are some complexities for some specialties where there might be slightly more um, complex arrangements uh, for who does transfer and who doesn't um, and there is some information there on the gap analysis and a, and a word, a downloadable document, a version of the gap analysis form, if people want to have a look at it before they prepare for the meeting. Um, and then, as you say, the gap analysis form itself is on the e It will be available in the all forms section or in the educational supervisor, uh, the supervision section um, to, to go through with the educational supervisor. And as you say, it was it was nice to hear because yes, I was involved in in putting the form together. That it it is relatively intuitive, I think, isn't it? And there's good guidance in the document itself. So hopefully, it isn't daunting uh, once you get started. I think you're absolutely right that the key thing is to to get it in the diary if it isn't already.
1: Yeah. And I just want to to say something, for example, when we were preparing this webinar about the new curriculum, we had all these meetings discussing about the capabilities in practice, how the new curriculum is not a competence based and it's more a trainee friendly. Um, And then I was asked, you know, to make a presentation and give the trainee perspective. And, you know, and I thought that we discuss all these things. It's Sometimes all these discussions was very theoretical, and the more th- the more theory you put in something, the more daunting it can sound. So I decided to do something practical. Okay, we discuss this gap analysis, the difference between the old and the new curriculum. I s- I thought I need to sit down and really uh, find these differences. And when you actually do something, when you go through the structured um the structured gap analysis form. Uh, this is the way to uh, to find out that this is not something very tricky. I can actually survive through this and uh, go ahead with a new curriculum and stop uh, crying about the transfer. And it's it's difficult. The transition period is difficult. And uh, to be completely honest, uh, initially I asked to stay uh, on the old curriculum because I, as I told before, I had collected a lot of evidence, so I thought there is no real point for me moving to the new one and meet the new uh, requirements. And and now, honestly, I feel comfortable with this transition and having this SAC role, some re- some trainees in my region uh, have asked my advice uh, just because I went through this process. And... and it's not so daunting, but we need all trainees and educational supervisors, you know, to go through this transition period. And I think, and it's my opinion, not just to clarify what I'm saying today. It's just my opinion. I'm not representing today the SCC committee or training board. But I think we need to support each other. You know, we need to support our ed- educational supervisors and the trainees to support us because it's all brand new for everyone. And we make we may make mistakes, uh, but we can learn, to make things better. The next training here.
0: It's really well put. Thank you. And it's I think it's going to be really reassuring to trainees to hear from somebody who's experienced it themselves, and especially you going into it feeling like oh this is going to be tricky, um, and actually finding a completely different experience. So, thank you so much. That's been really really helpful. Thank you, Anastasia. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So thanks for listening to this podcast. Uh, You'll find some resources linked in the description below and look forward to speaking to you next time.